You're listening to Chasing Prophecy Radio, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. On UPRN Talk Radio, FM 107.7 in New Orleans and FM 105.3 in Mississippi. If it's unexplainable, we're talking about it. Whether you're a believer or a skeptic, we cover everything where the unknown becomes the known. And now, here's your host, Jenny Nicasio. Welcome to Chase and Prophecy on FM 107.7 in New Orleans and 105.3 in Henderson Park. I know, point. I keep saying park. I don't know why. Mississippi, where we explore the unknown and discuss the mysteries that surround us and anything beyond the scope of normal. I'm your host, Jenny Nicasio. Tonight, I'm excited to welcome Tom Cohn. Cohn, I keep saying his name wrong. Sorry. Paranormal and supernatural enthusiast. And we'll get him to say his last name for us because we need to do that. We need to go to a peach therapist. <laughs> yes. An accomplished creative in the entertainment industry. With a rich background in paranormal societies, UFO meetups, and notable credits in film and television, Tom brings a unique blend of airy insights and behind-the-scenes knowledge. Join us as we explore the unexplained and the journey to a creative success with Tom. And don't miss this captivating conversation. So before I forget, I have something in my eye. Oh, it's going to be one of those nights. Make sure you comment and share the link. And just just remember, we're all over on eight different platforms, including FM 107.7 in New Orleans and 105.3 in Henderson point mississippi and we can be heard all the way down to florida now so which is really cool and this episode is sponsored by the united public radio um, and make sure you check out all the videos and um free the archives on soundcloud and across all the different radio platforms spotify iHeartRadio. and if you have anything unusual happening in your life anything paranormal, please drop me a link. I'd love to have you on this show to discuss it. And if you're a fan of Coast to Coast or Art Bell and anything like that, and you wanted to check us out and you think we would be a great fit for a friend or a family member, make sure you share the link. And remember, we're on Chasing Prophecy on Facebook, YouTube, and the United UFO um, Radio on um, Facebook, Instagram. And I know there's they have Roco, but I haven't been doing Roco a lot, but you can check out all the different um, shows on there too. And don't forget to catch Sean Kelly into the, into the night. This. <laughs> uh, he used to be my co-host. Um, so just make sure you check it out and remember to like us and share us and chat. And if you like, want to post a comment for Tom or a question, we'll bring it up on the screen. So don't be shy. So we're going to go ahead and get in and bring us our fabulous guest on. And I just want to make sure I have his information in front of me. Just give me one second because my computer is running slow and I use my notes on my computer. Okie doke. Okay. So he also has a podcast and I'm going to get to that. Um, but he also has a meetup, a UFO meetup. So that's really cool. And he is a screenplay writer. 
and he's an author and he's, he didn't, he's in it. So let me go ahead and bring him so he can tell you more about it because my computer's being goofy as usual, Tom. So sorry about that, Tom. My computer's going crazy as usual. Oh, no <laughs> so, <laughs> so Tom, well, you're in it, so you should understand yeah. that, you know, we're going to get yeah. to that. Um, so, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to the platform. And remember guys, um, usually the, it starts out slow because for some reason, no one gets served notifications until like, we're like 10 minutes into it. So tell us about yourself and what got you into the paranormal. And I like your little, your little guy back there. Oh, I like yeah. him. One of my co-hosts, uh, that's Cassandra. So I, I like, she's pretty sexy. I like her. <laughs> okay. yeah. she got go ahead. So, you know, yes, thank you so much. I no, I thought you said that was, that was Cassandra. That's not your co-host. That was no, your no I have another co-host. <laughs> I thought you were being here. funny. No, that is Cassandra. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> the, the woman in the legend. So thank you, Jenny, so much for having me on. I really appreciate this. And I geek out every time I get to talk about something spooky, crazy, scary, weird, odd, you name it. Uh, I'm not a thesaurus, but, you know, I could go on and on. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so first off, last name, Conway. Tom Conway is, uh, that's my. Uh, Tom Conway. Conway. Yep. Okay. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, I got like, it. Conway. W-A-Y. Like, think of it that way. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, I, look, I've been through school. I've been through public school. I'm KQ, so that's fine. I, I answer to either one. I've been called a lot worse. So, um, yes. Uh what got me into the paranormal? So let's start there because yes, definitely. Right there to get to here. Um, I guess the best way I can put it, Jenny, is you know, I, it was talked about in my home, so it wasn't like, oh, that's weird. Don't talk about that. You know what I mean? So it was like um, encouraged, I should say. We were an X Files family, so oh, like, cool, we yeah. up growing up, um, we loved unsolved mysteries. You know, sliders, whatever the shows were that were anything on the fringe of paranormal right so being allowed to watch that stuff talk about that stuff you know i think it just kicked off the lifelong interest into um the paranormal and things like that so um you know as as you get older you know other things getting you know not getting the way but you know they, they take precedent over your life and where i'm at now you know in, in late 30s you know i'm filling my time with interests again that i want to do and writing, podcasting, paranormal societies, meetup groups. Um, when It was funny, you know, when you're younger and you hear people say, oh, you have to have hobbies, you have to have hobbies. And you're like, yeah, Whatever. Yeah. I'm just going to drink till I die. <laughs> and, then, and then now you're like, man, I have to fill a lot of time in my schedule because I can't just go to bed after work. So this is where all of that stuff came from. You know, you, you get to be in touch. Plus, as technology moves on, newer gadgets, cooler gadgets, you know, I think it's just amazing the the leaps and strides that we have taken as a society. And and I often say this on my podcast, and I want to mention it here on your show. Um, don't you feel like this generation, this space and time that is more conducive to paranormal, people being able to talk about it more freely than maybe it was in the past? Oh, yeah. I think now, especially with all the disclosure and everything, I think we're more apt to 
relate to it. And we're not so scared to tell and share about it. Because a lot of times back then, we couldn't talk about it. You're like no. a Looney Tune. You know, you saw yeah. aliens. You know, you saw a spaceship. Okay, we're going to call, you know, the guys with the white coats. <laughs> <laughs> Straight jackets and all. But no, you're, you're right. And that's where, why I asked that was leading me into my my meetup group. I I joined and then became a, a co-runner of it after a couple meetups. And, you know, and really because this thing has taken off where people, I, I underestimated that fact, Jenny. I underestimated how much people want to talk about this stuff now compared to mm -hmm. in, in the past. And that's my, that's my own prejudice is coming out. I'm actively involved in the community and have fun and do, you know, paranormal investigations, all that kind of stuff. But even I'm like, oh, not everybody wants to hear about that. You know what I mean? So when I when we started this meetup group, UFOs Over PA, we really need to change the name because we just thought, oh, let's just find a few people who live around the Philadelphia area mm -hmm. who might like UFOs, UAPs, mm -hmm. and anything paranormal that might come from that. Um, and, and now we're a group of hundreds. And, you know, oftentimes people like have to back out of the meetup group if you join up late because you're just not going to get a chance to talk. People want to join. They want to get on weeklies, Thursday, 6 mm -hmm. to 7 um, p.m. And they want to get on and they want to talk about the stuff that they saw, the stuff that happened to them, the stuff that they can't explain, mm -hmm. the stuff that makes them made them feel weird inside is the best way I can put that. And, and when you have that and you have people openly, I'm not talking about just like kids. Um, I, for example, we have an older gentleman in his late seventies who he was in the military during actually project blue book, saw a bunch of crazy stuff in the sky, saw, you know, UFOs had his own experiences and wanted to come on and talk to us because he said, I never been able to tell anybody before <laughs> my wife's sick of hearing about it. And I just didn't know there was a place like this. So for someone who's been actively told, shut up, like his whole life, you know what I mean? Don't talk about yeah. that. I thought it was really cool. That's definitely cool. Yeah. So he, um, our group has exploded. Um, we had, we actually made the front page of the wall street journal. Which oh, was wow. That's great. I never expected that to happen, but, um, it's one reporter saw our meetup group got in touch with us and said, Hey, can I sit in during a meeting? I'm writing a story about, the walls coming down about paranormal discussions and, and UFOs and things like that. So he said, absolutely. So he just kept his screen on like black and, and, you know, announced who he was. And then he said, I'm just here to listen. And people were like, all right, cool. And then they went in to talk about whatever stories they wanted to talk about at that time. Now, like the first 15 minutes, it's, it can be like scripted because the first 15 minutes is, did anyone see that new? And then fill in the blank <laughs> on whatever it is. That's how it always goes. So that's um, that's how we start off the meeting. But then we talk about um, people's personal beliefs and we mm -hmm. really get into now everybody's on the same page. Nobody has ever like came back at anyone or said, oh, your story is stupid or anything like that. But when you get, you know, so we're very nice that way. But people get down to this one core concept, this one concept that it always drills down to. Do you believe that UFOs are interdimensional or do you believe they're from another planet? And that like splits everybody yeah. in the middle. And what 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 is the what's the average? Like how many people? Is it more people 60, believe it? I think it's about it's about 60-40. Wow. It's close. It's close to 50-50. I would say 60-40. 
um, um, interplanetary. So from an extraterrestrial, so from another planet, I am not in that realm. I do What's believe it? it's interdimensional. Yeah. Um, but it's fun to like have a group and, and get discussions on that because, you know, when you start talking about dimensions, people kind of, mm. they may tune out, if they, but if you just give yourself the time to listen to people and, and how they break it down, and there's people a lot smarter than I am in that group that can break it down much more succinctly than I can. But, um, you know, telling us, hey, just because it's interdimensional doesn't mean they're not different. You know what I mean? They're not us. <laughs> it's just they're on a different level of existence, basically. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm like torn between the two. Like, I think some of them are interdimensional and some of them are like, you know, mm -hmm. out there in the plant, you know, in the, out there in outer space or whatever i mean i hear so many different stories i don't know it's hard to decide which is which yeah you know with all the portals and you know people are talking about portals and opening lately and that would yeah. be inner you know but where is it coming from is it coming from a different like what dimension you know there's so many different yeah. dimensions it's like which which and then then there's the time traveler um, yeah. some people think that those are time travelers coming in from different, all these different portals opening up. And I don't know. What do you think about the portals? The portals are uh, a fascinating, um, a fascinating story because, you know, no matter what, and this is the fun about everything is because you, you're never going to prove something a hundred percent. I could talk all I want about on being from another planet. All right. Mm -hmm. What's a portal? Or I talk about all being interdimensional. Okay, well, how do you explain, you know, um, mysterious phenomenon in, in outer space? You know what I mean? So, like, it, it's fun. So, the portal thing, I think, is, um, I think it's fascinating when you have a certain group that want to say, okay, they can come through this portal from a different dimension and, and be here. And it's something that they can manipulate and, and we can't, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you believe in just any, relative law of dimension so if you're at a higher plane you can go to a lower plane and back to yours but you can't go up to a higher plane so we are essentially handcuffed in 3d we can't go to four we can go to two you can see a piece of paper or a drawing and you know one is the line but we can't go down so those ones that can come down to us theoretically they need some sort of device to get here and that's what a portal would be um now there's different viewpoints. Are they man, not man-made, but whatever creature made from over there, mm -hmm. you know, here, or do they happen organically? I, you know, you can make a point either way, but I love to look at the organic way of portals because a lot of the things we, we can test in paranormal and are, you know, here 3D is through EMFs, right? We have EMF readers and things like that. Well, there's organic EMF that goes on and you talk about um, volcanoes. Well, how can that cause that when it's only supposed to be man-made? You know what I mean? Or do they know that we're never going to go inside a volcano so they can use that freely to come back and forth? Yeah. Probably, we would never go through a, a volcano no. burned alive. <clears throat> no, we're not signing up for that Airbnb. No, no, not, not at all. Yeah. So do you know, I don't know if you follow Stan Gordon at all. Um, he's from Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And he's taught, he talks about the chestnut Ridge being a real hot spot for UFOs. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's true? Do you think there's more, I mean, are there more sightings in your area of Pennsylvania? Like you're from Philadelphia, you said? 
Yes. So no, about mine, <laughs> not not at all. Because the um, city, there's not too yeah. much, but but like to the Chestnut Ridge, we're like more like there's the Appalachians. There's all these different mountains, and, yes. and it's like more wooded. Yeah. So um, Stan Gordon and, um, and and that area, Chestnut Ridge, is very very famous, especially dating back to their to Pennsylvania's Roswell or or, or Kex, uh, Kexburg. Kexburg. Right? Yeah. So um, when we take that aspect of it, um, is it be, I don't know, it's a chicken and the egg scenario with me. Like, was it because Kecksburg happened and now it's, or was it drawn there because it was already a hot pot? Nature provides its own um, source energy, however you want to put it, provides its own aura that's an attractant to things. Uh, Western PA, and then West Virginia, we're all over in that area. You have a ton of sightings of not just UFOs, but also in the cryptid realm um, and things like that. And, and many say it's because there's a lot of cave systems and dwellings mm-hmm. like that. Underground or, Yeah, underground tunnels, things of that nature. Or if you want to go one step further, that just means the inner of the earth is pushed up further, closer to the surface than others, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you have a mountain, that's a lot of area pushed up high that should be deep underground. So I can't really speculate on, on that portion of it, but with Stan Gordon and, and, and Chestnut Ridge, we see, and you know, I, I am a member of MUFON, so mm-hmm. I, I do see their database and I do see where reports come in. And if you were to do a heat map, um, if you start, it's all, it's crazy how it works out. If you start like Philadelphia and then work your way West to uh, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. yeah, you can see it getting hotter and hotter as it gets into the, the more least less populated areas. Now that's to me, that makes sense. Cause at night when you, you're not going to see any light there. And if I'm visiting a foreign planet, if I'm visiting another area where I need to safely get to, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick an area that's empty, right? <laughs> I absolutely believe all of that um, can happen and does happen over there. And plus the Great Lakes are are a main, main source of UFO activity as well. Um, They seem to like our water. They seem, they're more prone to water. And that's, that's not only our like uh, UFOs or any kind of sighting, but a lot of missing people too. Um, They're near the water source. Yep. It could, could it be related? I mean, I'm, I'm not <laughs> an expert, but, you know, um, where you have a lot of sightings, you also have uh, missing persons. And yeah. we did an episode on the missing 411 from David Politis and, and, and those stories there to follow up and really, you know, like, let's go behind the movie type of thing. Let's follow up deeper into these people. Mm-hmm. And he did, you know, say what you want about the man, people love him or hate him, whatever. But those stories were really researched and they were really in depth and we weren't really finding anything that's, Oh, he left this part out where the body was found later. And, and it was this, no, you know what I mean? Like th- these people went missing, the, you know, th- there's unexplained events that happen every day to a lot of people on this planet. And the water phenomenon has to do with one a substance that we look we suck at humans and water we're, we're bad at it we can't swim we can't hold our breath we can't go deep <laughs> so if you were an advanced civilization 
And we are just a dumb puppy dog bumping into things, being loud, all that kind of stuff. And you're the smart cat. Aren't you going to jump mm -hmm. to that perch? Aren't you going to go to someplace where we can't get to? Yeah. Well, we can't get to the water. We can't get very far under, under the surface. Even our most equipped machines. We had a, you know, I hate to say it, but we had a guy who thought he could bring people down to the Titanic with a joystick controller. I mean. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So we're not very good in the water. I can absolutely see that these creatures, these interdimensional beings would, would, would love that. You know what I mean? Because it's an area they can be in peace on our planet. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. Um, what kind of evidence can you share that as maybe you found during your research with the group or did you find any evidence of anything, any video? Did anybody share any video or anything like that? Oh, yeah, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of video that people share. And before, um, before MUFON took down their library to, to update it, we would just be looking at last week's reports and I would share my screen on like a team's call and we would look at a video and be like, what does this one look like? Oh, look at how this. And then, you know, we would also try to debunk it ourselves because there's a lot of people that give a bad name to our group, our, our population, that the people that enjoy this stuff. So we almost have to be more critical than the critics. Right. So we, you know, we need to be proactive in, in saying, Oh no, I don't believe that one is, but you know, for, for us, um, this one gentleman got on and I wish I had the picture now, but this one gentleman got on and he was like, I, you know, I took this picture of these lights in the sky when I was in, um, oh man, I'm sorry. It was like St. Thomas or something. It was, it was in the Caribbean and he was on a honeymoon and he said, I saved this. He was a Polaroid or not Polaroid, but it was a regular picture. He saved it for many, many years and he showed us it. And man, like this guy, there was no way he could have done any digital editing. First of all, like, you know, you're talking to this guy, you know, it's not, the picture isn't, isn't like new. So you can tell he's been keeping it. You know what I mean? It's been in like folders and things like that, but the lights on it, he was thinking maybe there was some reasonable explanation for it. We were looking, we were taking a look at everything. Um, mm -hmm. We got the image, you know, we showed him how, you know, with IT, we can digitally enhance it. We can do all that. We couldn't find anything to suggest that was faked or anything of the sort that in the sky, this these lights could be something else. He thought maybe there was like some kind of reflection, you know, so we're, we're going through the whole evidence, you know, based um, 
you know, detection that we're trying to show him. No, this isn't this because that. No, this. We could not prove that picture, um, you know, incorrect. And for me, giving that answer to him and seeing this older man like light up and, and be, you know, really happy was was it for me. So to, to bring it full circle to your point, I I don't know if there's going to be a great piece of evidence that I can show for me to you mm-hmm. or the fact that everybody has their own evidence. And when you can prove we're not proving it's real, we're just proving mm-hmm. it's not fake and see them light up. Um, that's what what really does it for us. Um, now, in terms of other <laughs> experiences, uh, being a part of Paranormal Society, I, I have a ton. Uh, I've seen full body apparitions. I've seen half body apparitions, which are terrifying too. But, um, you know, we disembodied voices. I personally, and I'll tell you so this. You've, you've heard some really creepy stuff then. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've seen. Share, uh, share, share with me. Absolutely. So we're in one investigation and this is a uh, um Laurel Hill Cemetery in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So cemetery, um, more of like a, a popular cemetery, which means like the, the people buried there are like important or they have a story behind them. Um, you have people from like the Titanic and then you have like movie characters, you know, things like that. Um, and I say movie characters, not actors, because they are fictional characters that they dig a grave for and put a grave there. I don't know, but uh, it's been in many movies. So we were going around and as a part of our paranormal society, we, um, we are the the tour guides for whenever they have an event. So they get about 30, 40 people bring us in and we split them up into groups and we walk around the cemetery and use our devices and just like, you know, have fun. So uh, what we tell everybody is if you see something, say something, because if something, if you see something and you don't say anything, you could take somebody else's chance who was like, yeah. did I see it? Oh, no one else did because no one said anything. So that's why we say it. We're walking. Uh, we get up to an area with like 12, 15 foot high, like, you know, mausoleums and, you know, uh, angels and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we're walking. We're, you know, we're trying to talk to the group behind us and, and keep going. And out uh, of like, it was like not the periphery, but it was almost it was close to it. I saw like somebody and I turned and I saw two. It, they were dressed like a, a soldier in like the Revolutionary War took a few steps to me, only the waist and pants down, turn and walk right away. And it was only legs. It was tor- no torso, no stomach. It was legs down, t- walk towards me and turn and ran away. And I stopped and I, I heard the other guy in my paranormal society next to me said, you saw that, didn't you? Oh. And I turned and he said, before I say it, what did you see? And I said, a pair of legs taking about three steps towards me and then turning and walking right away. He said, that's exactly what I saw. Where was this at? This was Laurel Hill Cemetery in Philadelphia. Okay, that wasn't anywhere by Gettysburg. Oh, no, no. Gettysburg would be about two and a half hours. Okay. So So I was wondering, as a soldier, you saw... Well, it could have been revolutionary. Philadelphia is a big battleground. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we turned around and we said, did anybody see anything just now? And two people raised their hand and the one said, I saw two pair of legs coming and walking away from us. And it was only legs. And the other person said, I saw that too. <laughs> yeah, more than one person saw it. That's pretty cool. That is. Yeah. 
And I said, you know, we, we were joked around. We're like, well, you guys, it's only downhill from here. You hit the jackpot. Like to us, <laughs> a, a, an apparition is the, you yeah. know, want to see. So, you know, they were enthusiastic. They loved it. They had a great time after that. Everybody was keeping their eyes peeled. Um, but it's something that when you take somebody through it for the first time and they see something they can't explain and they're scared, but you see like an excited smile. Yeah. That, that does it for me too. Like holding people's hand through a paranormal experience. To see an apparition in person that, that I don't know how calm I would be. So. <laughs> well, most of the time it's within three seconds. Three and seconds. Is that how yeah. long it was? It wasn't very long. Yeah. It's not going to be very long and you might not even think about it until after it's already done. Until you so, see it. Till you see. Yeah. So you see it and you're like, huh. And then you maybe double take and it's gone or you double take and it's still there and fades away, like mystifies or whatever. But, um, you know, most of the time you're, you're too in shock to feel anything. First of all, most definitely that's your, your most, yeah, I, I, I've heard things felt things, but I never really seen anything. So I don't know okay. if I want to see anything. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, if you, you know, I think you, need to open yourself up to that. So if you don't want to, that's, you know, your preference, you know, you're, you're making it known to whichever entity, I don't want to see you. And a lot of them respect that um, low vibrational energy spirits or the dead, if you want to call it that for lack of a better word here are souls that have passed that have not gone into the light. Mm -hmm. That's the theory I believe in, in terms of, why are ghosts here? It doesn't disprove afterlife. It doesn't disprove heaven or hell or whatever you want to believe in. But if you do not choose to go into the light, you are stuck here. Oh yeah. If you're stuck here. All right. I mean, I, me. I, I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like some of the stuff that you see it, or hear, you know, is it really it's the deceased or is it something else? You know, you get into that fine line. Is it? Yeah. There's so much evil out there right now. You don't know yeah. what's, what's, what's good and what's bad. So would you say that was one of your most memorable experiences or unforgettable ones? Or do you have any other that stuck out more so in your lifetime? Well, that, that one's definitely in terms of like the scale of, you know, seeing everything. That one is definitely the, the highest. But um, I also have more mischievous. I don't think I've ever had an evil one, but more mischievous ones have happened to me. Um, I, I have a lot of experience with like doppelganger or mimic. Oh, okay. Um, the, the, <clears throat> somebody calling in a voice, you know, you know, family oh, member, relation, you know, and you, you go out and they're like, I didn't call you or they're not even home. Um, that, that's a scary that's one. Um, creepy. I, that is, I I've walked past people at work, uh, where I work, it's probably, it's a little over, a little under 70,000 square foot. So it's a bigger place. Right. So you walk past and I like walk past somebody in the hallway and then I'll get back to where I am and, and they're there sitting at their desk. <laughs> um, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in a, or I work in a long-term skill care facility. So, you know, death is unfortunately a part of the healthcare industry. So, you know, who's this, even though it's a coworker and not a resident, mm -hmm. you know, 
there could be spirits playing tricks um, in that. I've, I, that has happened I, multiple times to me where I thought I walked past somebody to get back and they're, they're somewhere else. And there's no way, you know what I mean? They could have gotten to that point without, um, well, without being walking in the same direction I'm going and not passing me, but walking that way. Um, my, so th that one, I have crazy, that one actually gives me a little bit of the chills. You know, some of a lot of the stuff you're getting onto after seeing it for a certain time, but the, that one is chilling because, you know, I understand that not a lot of it, not a lot of everything can be explained, but with that one, it's what, what is it trying to do other than trick me? There is nothing else. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I've had many experiences with, um, sleep paralysis, you know, oh. that, that, that's terrifying. In and yes, of it is true that we had so, we had three shows on that in the last three years. And it, I had a psychologist, Brian Sharpless on twice and we get into these really you know, deep conversations. Cause I've had sleep paralysis since I was a kid. Yeah. My family had it. My sons have it. Um, it's just kind of weird. And then people, most of the people that I had on the show had it, especially yeah. the ones who were abducted. So he was trying to tell me it's just something in your brain that happens when you're falling asleep. It's like a stage of sleep. But how can that be that we all have the same experience? And it's so like, it looks like the grays. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you. Does your, did you have that where you see people when you have sleep paralysis? No. So, um, so you don't have that. You see somebody in your room. Well, you're no. lucky. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that is a lucky one. Cause I can't imagine. What oh, it's terrifying. But, um, no, like, uh, everyone that I've had has happened during a stage where I, my eyes are physically closed. So when the paralysis stays in, when you're closed, I can't even open my eyes and despite trying, but I'll feel the indent of something like pressing on the bed or a breath on me or, low guttural groan growl type yeah. things in, in your ear over your head and yeah, um, something's it's like scott forbid if you opened your eyes so maybe if you would open your eyes you would be able to see it because it's like it looks like a gray standing above your like at the foot of your bed in my case gray. it was like we pulled the sheets off me my covers and it was like taunting me and then I felt like my whole body raised off and I was up in the air. My back was I, up I in the air. What's that? I have, I have felt that one, the, the raising up. Yeah. It feels like you're raising. Um, no, I don't know if it was a very lucid dream or it was sleep paralysis, but I had one instance that my eyes opened and I can't explain it, but my body, like my head was on the pillow, but my body was straight up. Oh, that's kind of creepy too. Yeah. That's like so, a totally out of body experience. Yeah. Um, and now I have never dabbled in that realm of astral projection or anything like no, that. No, I, I would not do that. My kids did that. They were, they did it all the time. I said, why would you want to do that? My yeah. biggest fear is that you're stuck and you can't come back down. And um, you're in this well, weird... I had a guest on my podcast who talked about that and she said she stopped taking people and and like you know because you have to be trained nobody's going to just do it you know what i mean you have to work at it 
And she said she stopped because so many people don't want to come back to their body because they're happier outside. Yeah. And that's awful. Um, And also not many people know how to protect themselves because you are absolutely unguarded when you are out, you know, it's just your consciousness floating and anything or anything could attack you, attach to you, what have you. So um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't mess with that. And if people can, and they're great, good for them, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I mean, my luck, I won't come back in my body. I mean, I had like t- night terrors when I was a kid and then I have panic attacks now as an adult. Like if, as soon as I start falling asleep, I get like a panic attack and my heart starts to be, I wake up like, <gasps> like, you know, you get that, you wake up like, really quick and you, you, my heart start be, starts beating really fast and then they got a total way all it won't stop and I'm, I'm, I'm my legs go numb you know and it's all i went to the hospital a couple of times for because i didn't know what was wrong with me yeah. and, I, and they told me what was in the ambulance one time it sounds like you're having a night panic attack sleep panic attack i said well then how the hell do you stop that you're sleeping and you wake up with a panic yeah. attack there's so nothing you can do with that no, you can't stop yeah. it. So what do you do? Just what go through the motions of it, I guess. I mean, when you're terrifying. sleeping, you, have to you ground yourself, all that kind of stuff. But well, <laughs> I'm gonna start to do that because I, I slept with a rosary, rosary beads for a while because it was so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me. Add, it sounds like you've had some sleep trauma in your past. Have oh, you yeah. had any? Yeah. So would you ever consider maybe hypnosis? I would love to. I don't know anybody that does that. There's... That's the thing. I even asked the psychologist, and she says, well, I don't do sleep regression or whatever. I said, well, how are you supposed to find anybody? Well, anybody listening, please get in touch with Jenny, because <laughs> I think that would be a wonderful episode you should film. Is you? Um, oh, gosh. I'm yeah. taking to a different planet. <laughs> well, I, my I, life. I, I put it out there to my listener base if anybody does past life regression i will do that on camera (laughs) yeah i would do it if i could you know if they know how to do it yeah so far i haven't had any guys i mean i've had time i mean i've been on since right when the pandemic so 2019 so it's going on four years and uh i haven't had any psychologists that only brian sharpless he he doesn't do that. He I mean he's a he's in Pennsylvania. I don't he think he's probably out where you are. If I'm not where mistaken. He, um shoot. I know he works. Well, maybe it's more like University of Pittsburgh. I'm mean, not Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Where is that, Alan? Where is that? Penn is, is Philadelphia. Yeah, he's probably out your way. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm I'm 25 minutes outside of this. Now city. the show is on FM one is in New Orleans and Mississippi, I'm in Pittsburgh. Okay. The sub suburbs of Pittsburgh. So it's it's weird. I can't tell you. I guess it all started when the pandemic and I never left. <laughs> so one good thing about it. Yeah. So there's there's all kind of goofy stuff out this way. I mean, there's a woman in uh, Murraysville, Pennsylvania, and Allison Cruz. And if you go to YouTube, you can see all her stuff because she has some serious equipment that she's filmed so many things in the sky 
that MUFON blew off, which I don't understand why they blew off. Because they were, I seen them. They looked like they were, they were, they looked like helicopters. And then all of a sudden they morphed into something else. And they go down by a coal, it was an abandoned coal um, mine where these homes are uh, like scattered, like farm homes. Yeah. And they would go above that. And I said, well, maybe they're trying to get something from the coal. Maybe there's something with the coal um, that they're using that they need. I don't know. And it's. But MUFON yeah. blew it off. I can't believe they did that. Blew it it's off. Like that. It's supposed to be, ideally, a place where anybody, you know, anybody yeah. can, you know, report a UFO to. And to me, it's not their job to decipher who's, you know. Yeah, that's what I couldn't understand. It's like why I used to be a MUFON investigator. And then I left because I just... I didn't like some of the stuff that was going on and I left. Oh, yeah. I was a field investigator and I, I wrote, uh, I got involved in it because I wrote a story because my son, when he was a little boy, like six years old, he woke up in the middle of the night, terrified. And he Mm -hmm. comes running in my room and he was broken out in a cold sweat. He said a light came in through his window. They tried to take him this bright light. And he would not go to sleep in his room anymore. He still doesn't like that room. Uh, he's a grown man now. And I got into it because we would we would sit outside having a bonfire, just talking about it, you know, like making up stories. And I decided, oh, I'm going to join MUFON. But then I started to write a book um, mm-hmm. from the sky about, you know, extraterrestrials and so i started writing and i got so involved in it and that's when i got involved with move on and i sold my books there at conferences i mean it was cool but they really never treated me very well so i don't i don't i'm not a big what do you want to call it follower but i do have i have move on field investigators on the show all the time directors but i just I don't know. I just it rubbed me the wrong way. But yeah, Mike, that's how I got involved in all the paranormal. And of course, the X-Files like you. Yeah. I mean, I was a f- whole family. We watched the X-Files and that's we cool. were. Yeah. And we saw where I lived. I lived in a, like a suburbs and there was no it was all farm like a year rural. And it was like more farmland and there yeah. was no developments. And we saw some really strange stuff in the sky. And that's how I got into that. But that's how I got into the paranormal and I write about it and stuff. It's just sort of like you. So what, okay, you, your family, you were into X-Files. So what brought, what made you decide to start the group? Was there something that happened to you? Did you see anything or you just felt like it was a hobby? No, it it was a hobby. It was, you know, like I I wanted to, um, I guess, get back into, you know, that area of of my life and that interest you know um you know getting putting out a group there you know and in technology right so you know who heard of you know like virtual meetings pre-pandemic it was for work and that was it right so yeah you know what we're doing now hasn't been around for more than 10 years you know so um you know, with, with that, and a lot of people, one thing that I've found is everybody's story that they're willing to share is interesting to me. 
You know, it, it is. And and it could just be me, it could just be sap, whatever you want to call it. But when they bring up their story and they bring up, you know, how it affected them, and everybody that I've talked to has something interesting about their story that makes it unique to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are all of them true? Maybe, maybe not. But are all of them entertaining to me? Absolutely. So I will listen to whatever story you have to tell and I will make sure you have an area to tell it. And that's what basically prompted this meetup group, prompted us to start and keep going and, and, and grow it is, you know, if you put a Facebook live out without, you know, and you're just going live and you're talking about UFOs and aliens and things like that, people are going to look at you a certain way. But when you're behind a, like a, a meetup group, you know what I mean? You're behind a, a login wall where you're with your own brethren, right? <laughs> um, you're more likely to tell that story and you're more likely to get into the details and how it affects people, you know, because there's some people that were really traumatized by some of their experiences that they had. It, it really messed them up, hurt them, however you want to call it, where they needed to get it out. They needed to talk about it. And, you know, many stories I've heard from different people are, oh, that, you know, they'll end it with, and that messed me up for a long time. And that's what I want to get into is like, I say, hey, well, how did it mess you up? I couldn't sleep. I really couldn't talk to anybody about it. When I did, you know, I was ridiculed. So I just forgot about it and, and didn't want to pay any attention to it. And that's well and good when I'm at my job or I'm with friends or I'm with my you know husband or wife. But when it you know, we all have alone time in our in our lives. We all have to face that alone time at some point. And it just eats at them that they're like, what was it? What was it? How did that happen? You know, and it really started to build a trauma in them mm-hmm. that talking about it, if nothing else, got that out of them. You know what I mean? And they're able to talk about it. And if it messes them up. And they're still actively haunted, no pun intended, by it. They can come every um, Thursday from six to seven, hop on, talk about it, and there'll be people to listen, to have suggestions, and and to just be an ear to them. You know, we we that's the kind of um, group that we have. We, if anybody's like a troll or anything like that, we kick them right out. Not to deal with, none of us have to deal with any of that. And, you know, we want everybody to have their voice heard and their feelings shared, um, you know, because like I said, with the military man that I first started talking about, um, he's so used. He was so used to people saying, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it, Don't talk about that. And here he is late on in life, tells his story. And next thing you know, it was the meeting that got him on the uh, front page of the uh, Wall Street Journal. So you never know who's going to be in and you never know because when you join that meetup group, when you join it, your title is gone. You're just, I'm just Tom and I'm in there talking about some stuff and, and I do probably uh, less of the talking now because, you know, as a host, I, I really want it to be about the group rather than me just, you know, dictating and narrating to everybody. Um, so Mark, my co-host of the podcast, he's also um, a co he's a co-creator of the uh, group. Um, we just sit back and play quarterback, keep the discussion going. And that's all we really we really do. You know, uh, pick up dead time. That's what you learn as a podcast. host. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to um, show a TikTok video and I just want your opinion on it. I don't know if you go on TikTok at all. Um, Absolutely. Let's do it. But it's uh it's really weird and it's been all over the internet a lot. And I don't know, 
a lot of people are, they don't know what it is, but I just wanted to get your, uh, what you think it is, but I'm going to turn it on. And this person found this on their door, their bell. Can you see it? Did I have to, wait, I have to bring it in. Sometimes it's, there we go. Okay. I'm going to play it. Uh, it's really creepy. <laughs> um, but you know, those ring doorbells. Those yeah. I have. Yeah. So this is what they woke up to. And it's kind of creepy. Let me see. The creature of an unknown origin has been trending on social media. And no one could seem to figure out what this animal is. They can't tell if it's an alien. They can't tell if it's a cat. They can't tell if it's another, you know, hybrid creature. Nobody knows what it is. Um, it's definitely going viral all over the internet. And I wanted to share it with you guys to see if anybody had any clue to what type of animal this may be because, you know, everyone's literally confused. Supposedly the person that captured this on a ring doorbell camera, um, has remained anonymous. They do not want to be exposed on the internet, but they did share the picture with us and they're telling us that they believe that it's some sort of alien creature from another planet. Like, share, repost, and follow. You guys can comment below. This Let me turn it off. Well, what do you think? Pretty creepy. So, huh? yeah. So I've um, seen that. Um, you did? I, I have seen not this particular video, but I've seen that picture making its way around social media. Um, first, when I look at this, I look at the deck, right? Beer cans everywhere. I don't know if that's a, a it's recycling. Uh, it looks like a recycling bin. Is that a recycling that, bin or laundry hamper? I, or <laughs> it looks like a recycling cans because it's not just, I don't think it's still, I mean, there's a lot of bear, but it looks like there's some Coke cans too in the back. Yeah. Um, okay. So if that's a recycling one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, if this was hoax, they went to a good length, you know, good detail because I'm seeing that creature rummaging through things because it's hungry and it's coming up close um, to where, you know, where the food is, where it thinks it's food, but it smells probably beer, soda, whatever that is out in the cans. Um, the first idea I thought, head, neck, you know, cat with mange. I've seen hairless cats before. They have those weird eyes, the no, the, the nostrils get... But once it came back out and you saw like the hand, right? You saw where the hand was. It it didn't have like the claw like this. You know what it I mean? Didn't it look like a, to me, it doesn't look like a cat. Yeah. So it, I, 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 it takes it away from me from the cat once you see the paws. Um, I, you know, it, it's unexplained for sure. I, I don't have an answer for what that could be terrestrially, um, depending on where it is. You know, mange is a popular answer for animals with fur because obviously like a dog without fur, a cat without fur looks weird, right? So, mm. you know, that, that's a popular answer. However, the, the features don't really fit in there for those eyes and the nose, you know, and, and the teeth. Um, it looked, the teeth didn't look that sharp. So <laughs> maybe it doesn't prey on or eat prey, you know? So yeah, um, 
it looked like a forager with the claws, right? It looked like something that would be a dig, you know, a digger. It would it would grasp and eat, you know, um, whatever. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely to me didn't look like it belonged on this planet just because there's too many features, mm-hmm. right? There's too many features mm-hmm. that counteract each other. The, the big eyes facing forward, predator. The teeth flat, not sharp grinder you know what i mean like for plant the claws meant for grabbing you know touching it would seem that the animal would be intelligent because it has to have enough smarts to use its appendages um in that way so no i'm absolutely fascinated thank you for showing me that because you know, if I was just to give you a quick cool. rundown just there, I, I, I can't give you an explanation. That yeah, to me, it looks like it could be something, because especially because the people don't want to be known. Um, to me, the, those hands are creepy. They look like the, con, mm-hmm. you know, like, look, E.T.'s hands. It did, yeah. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? Because I always wonder, because you, you write screenplays. Um, you know, um, oh, my God, Steven Spielberg. How do you know that he didn't see something to to be able to make those the alien ET look so like it could be like this looks like ET maybe he maybe they do have an alien somewhere that looks sort of like that maybe he was called I don't know you never know because didn't he do Close Encounters no is that Close Encounters too and I don't know if you ever heard of Bashar Bashar he's a uh, He's a screen. He's a. He's heavily involved in Hollywood, and he helped make all these movies about aliens and mm-hmm. Avatar. And apparently, he saw a UFO when he was a young man, and he channels him, and he works for them. And I wonder, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they all work together. I don't know. It's kind of creepy. You know, how do they know all this weird stuff? You're um, you're exactly right because you know. Where does that idea come from? It has to come from something we've already wrapped our head around, right? If you were to tell me, if I were to tell you, hey, think of a creature no one's seen before, you're probably going to think of creatures that are seen before and mush them together, right? You have to have sort of uh, something in place to go off of. Um, And what's funny is when you talked about, was it Bashar? Bashar, yeah. Bashar, um, that would be the first person that I know about that channels or, or raises their consciousness to a level that they can um, communicate with extraterrestrial beings. That's not the first time I've heard that um, where they're, they become in tune with them for what now, how, I don't know, but the story is that they become in tune with them, raise their consciousness to a level where they can be on the safe wave, wavelength as the, the creature and gain experience and i've talked to people that said the same thing where um it's not teaching like it's not like all right jenny i'm going to tell you these secrets it's an interaction where you meld with them and then when you separate you know what they know yeah so if we were to take that and to see and, and feel that way um I've always believed there's more than one ET. I don't think greys are the only one out there. I do believe there's different um, species, civilizations, whatever you want to call it. So could it be that this individual is asking them, hey, can you show me what another type of UFO or another type of 
um, alien creature looks like, and it does. Mm -hmm. And then he takes that and reports it back with whatever image he has in his head and sketches it out or has somebody sketch it out for him. Um, but no, I, I completely agree. I, if whether Spielberg himself or close confidants or people he trusts have seen it, he's mm -hmm. getting that he's getting that knowledge from somewhere else, somewhere yeah. that's here. That's what um, I I think, and I, I I feel like that's probably it. So let me before we go, let me play this Barshar. Um, sure. I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen him before, but I'm going to put him on. Um, and I'm going to hit play. Okay. I think I have to fast. I have to go back. Cause I think he, I might. Oops. Okay. Here we go. My name is Daryl Anka. I am the channel for an entity known as Bashar. I am also a writer, producer, director. As a young boy, I've always been artistically inclined. I could start drawing as soon as I could pick up a pencil when I was two years old. But I had an incident happen that happened at three years old that I didn't remember until much later in my life. And I was playing in the living room of my parents' home. And I was, you know, one of those things where kids make a fort with a card table and a blanket. I was underneath it. I was drawing. And what appeared to me in midair was this whirlpool of light just hanging there. Now, as a child, I didn't think anything of it because I didn't know what was normal and what wasn't. But my perception is that there was somebody communicating to me through that as if it was a window to somewhere else. For me, that became what I would consider to be the inciting incident that indicated that there was some kind of an agreement here that was going to unfold at some point in my life that had to do with the channeling. But it didn't really get triggered until 1973. In 1973, I was in my early 20s when on two occasions uh, in broad daylight, a week apart, I had two very close UFO sightings with uh, friends with me both times. The first time was only about 125 feet away. The second time was only about 60 or 70 feet away. Some kind of an advanced technological ship no sound, being able to move in unusual ways. You don't think much of it until you actually see something yourself. And then your whole world turns upside down because those things weren't supposed to really exist. But seeing something like that solidly made me realize that things were much different than we were being told. So I wanted to find out more about it. I started doing the research, finding any book I could on UFO sightings. And at that time in 1973, you know, the, the metaphysical section in bookstores wasn't very big. You could probably find everything on one shelf. There was UFO stuff, there was psychic stuff, there was channeling stuff. Mostly the Seth material at that time uh, was becoming uh, pretty popular. So I read all of that and I started just kind of digesting all of this stuff and realizing that there was a sort of a whole other world going on here. 10 years after the sighting, I was introduced to a channel uh, who was conducting seminars at the time. I went into the class not because I thought I wanted to be a channel in any way, shape or form, but I was curious as to how channeling could be taught because I just sort of assumed it was something that just sort of happened to you out of the blue. But I wanted to, to further my research, so I went into the class and it was a series of different guided meditations and it wasn't like you were necessarily uh, expected to have to channel with an entity, but it was about getting in touch with your creative side, your own higher mind, however you wanted to use the, the meditations. 
But about halfway through the course, we were in a particular guided meditation being given by the entity through the channel. Something happened that I can only describe as a kind of an instant telepathic contact from Bashar. It was like somebody just sort of shoved this information in my head in a split second. I instantly remembered making an agreement before this life to do this with him. I understood the UFO had been shown to me by him to get me to start doing the research that I needed to do. So when it came time to fulfill. Hmm. So that's, that's his, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I love that. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, you know, he's, in, he's helped write all these UFO movies because he yeah. channels this guy. So Steven Spielberg, I think probably, you know, he had some kind of connection with because that creature we saw on TikTok, it looked kind of creepy, like ET. <laughs> it, it, looked like, it looked like a mini version, or, or you know, ET's little nephew. Yeah, so it's like I don't know, that's kind of crazy. But I really enjoyed having you on the show. We'll have to have you back. Um, don't Absolutely. go nowhere after because we also I want to talk to you real quick. Um, but anybody, uh, everybody out there, I want to. You know, thank you for joining us. I know some people just started to join us now, and we weren't. We were supposed to be on. Um, you have parent was it Pittsburgh Paranormal, and I don't think we got on there until late. So I don't know what happened with the stream, but just remember, this is broadcasted. You know, it's going to be on SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio. If you just and replayed on you know Facebook and YouTube. If you're just joining us now um, from the other channels, then you can see and listen to the whole show. But um, Tom, thank you again. And where can people learn more about you and your podcast? Thank you. Yes, uh, Label Paranormal is a podcast that I am Mark Way host. Uh, you can find us on all of your various platforms for listening to podcasts, um, Spotify, YouTube, and into your smart speakers. Say Amazon Play Label Paranormal. And we will pop up. Great. But next week, I'm not really sure who we have on, but I know it's a good guest. So you have to come back next Tuesday. We're only on Tuesdays anymore, guys. We used to be on um, Sunday nights, and I gave it up because I'm a busy woman. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again for tuning in to Jason Prophecy on FM 107.7 in New Orleans and 105.3 in Henderson. Point, Mississippi. Have a great night.